Sober Grind Podcast. I'm here, I'm here today with my friend Austin Armstrong. It's a pleasure. And it's me, Pej, from Beginnings Treatment. Um, earlier, we had a little mishap with our, <laughs> our live Facebook stream. So we just decided to do the Sober Grind Podcast live from Facebook. It's, it's all live, and then later on, it'll be on the actual podcast itself. Yes, yeah, this is our first time doing this live, so we encourage uh, you all to ask any questions on this particular topic. Uh, again, it will be pre-recorded and uploaded later, as well as the audio version for you, so there's no excuse not to listen or watch. <laughs> so, okay, so today we have a special show. Earlier I was trying to do this, but we're, we're going to get it right this time. We're going to get it right, 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 Austin? I think so. Okay, so it's about working in recovery, your own recovery, and not mixing the two. That means that if you're employed, if you're a person that's in recovery you know, and now you're not in active addiction anymore, now you've gotten sober, and you decide that you want to start working in recovery, how do you not mix your recovery with the recovery community or the recovery job? Yeah, I'm excited to learn more about what Pesh has to say about this. So Pesh, why don't you start out with a little uh, opening? Um, explain each part of that. Okay, well, first of all, you know, Personally, I'm in recovery. So, mm. you know, I got like 10 and a half years sober. And I remember when I first uh, got sober, I was very, very excited to start helping others, right? Mm. And there's a big difference between helping others in the rooms of recovery as opposed to in the um, in, in the actually recovery community. So my the first thing that I started doing was working at Trader Joe's and I just, it was my get well job. But then gotcha. over a period of time, I was going to school and I wanted to become... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanted to become a case manager and work in treatment on the front lines, working with addicts and alcoholics. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I, I couldn't get that job right away. So when I first started working in treatment, I was more of a tech or a support staff, for better sake of words. And I was basically overseeing the clients, like taking them to meetings or, you know, being with them, doing some small groups and things like that. But I was newly, so I was, at that time I was actually about three years in because I'd already got my well, get well job, but I was mm-hmm. working, you know, with the people. So, um, I had to have strong recovery in order to be able to be serious about helping these clients too. You know, so it wasn't, it was, and I see a lot of people that I see go and work in recovery, they make their job of working in recovery, their recovery. That's a no-no. Well, okay, so tell me a little bit more about that. How how do people incorporate that into their own recovery? Why do they think that's okay? And how do you really differentiate that? Well, what's scary about it is the fact that people start, okay, so let's say, for example, somebody's working in recovery. Mm-hmm. They start taking people to meetings. They start justifying and thinking, well, I don't need to go to my own personal meeting because I'm already taking this guy to the, the guys to the meeting, right? Right. So when you're going to meetings with guys and you're working in recovery, like, you can't really be transparent there, right? Mm. Like that's not mm-hmm. really your area. You're you're at work. So mm-hmm. and the best thing that you could do is just be there and let the clients go and meet whoever they need to in the recovery community and you just, you know, take them, be with them and then take them back. You're not actually supposed right. to really share in meetings and things like that. Yeah, so yeah. it's just it's it's a no-no all the way around. So when they start neglecting themselves of their own recovery by making excuses, well I'm going to meetings because I'm going to meetings with the guys. No, that's not really going to meetings. Or or um, you know, I, I'm I'm helping people. I'm basically, you know, working my program by helping these guys. That ain't part of it. That mm-hmm. ain't part of it. Like it's it's just not it. At least that's that's my philosophy. That's what I was raised on. I know that you have to separate the two. We've seen a lot of people that go and start working in treatment mm-hmm. and and that have, are newly sober or a couple of years sober that they they get so engulfed in working in treatment with the clients that mm. they lose themselves in that and then they end up relapsing. I've seen it time and time again. Wow. Yeah. Let, um. Oh, let's see. 
we got a couple comments in here. So Jordan says, nice yellow shirt. How come you don't have a hat on? How come you don't have a hat on? I'll wear a hat for you later on, Jordan. But uh, yeah, yellow is my favorite color. I decided to wear my yellow today because it's it brightens everything. He's, he's blending into the background, though. Uh, that's why we had to switch signs. <laughs> Mark Simmons says, hello. Hi, Mark. Hi, Pesh. How are you doing? I think that's that's it right here. So should you consider working in treatment as the 12th step in your recovery 12th step is 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 meant to be for the recovery community however you roll if you go Mm -hmm. to 12 step meetings you're going to be working a 12 step program so you find people to take them through the steps it's not about you know making your again back to what i was saying a second ago making your job in recovery isn't really part of your 12th step Mm. you may be occupying seats in meetings but that's not like practicing your 12th step this is just a job like you're just yeah. becoming you're a worker amongst workers you're just going to work to help these guys get to the meeting come back from the meeting make sure they come down from their rooms and things like that none of that has anything to do with 12-step work 12-step work is deeper than that and, yeah. it's, and it's based around the 12 steps gotcha yeah it's like uh, if you work at a nonprofit, but you have to do volunteer hours do you count your your job <laughs> hours as volunteer hours depending on how much the nonprofit mm, really will take guess. care of you yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> Does anyone have any questions? Ask us here. We see a lot of people. I see a lot of you guys coming on. First of all, where is everybody at? I mean, what state are you in? What city are you in? We always like to know who our audience is, and we'd like to engage with you and see who's in. Like, Sign in. Just write down what state you're at, what city you're in. Let us know. Yeah, leave any comments, any thoughts, tag a friend, anyone you think uh, tag would your be friends. interesting. Tag your friends to the Sober Grind podcast. Sober Grind podcast. And live stream. Nobody. Nobody. Where are you at, Just Jordan? Joining. What city are you in? I know you're from Jersey. Okay, go oh, on. We're in Jersey. I'm from Jersey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jordan's from, from Jersey. Jersey. Yep. Oh, very cool. Oh, look at McKenna Jean McHugh's from Irvine, I-Town. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. McKenna, <laughs> hi. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So, say you were an, um, uh, an addict or maybe an alcoholic. Okay. What's your opinion on uh, going back to work in an environment uh, like a bar or somewhere that serves alcohol? Or even uh, now, like maybe someone offers you a job at a dispensary uh, mm. out here in California. What's your opinion about working in an environment like that? Well, depending on the type of recovery that you have. I mean, I see people that are in recovery that still work at bars as bartenders, mm-hmm. right? Um, it depends it's on how... It's to be tough. It, maybe. It, it I guess be, it depends. I think it's it, it all depends on the individual and how serious they're taking the recovery. I mean... Mm. Really, if, you, if you're if you about staying sober, you're probably not going to put yourself in dangerous situations. But that's what some people, that that's what they build their income off of. I don't condone it. I don't mm-hmm. think it's the smartest thing to do. Mm-hmm. But definitely, like, when you get sober, you want to try to stay away from slippery places. Um, there are people that work in, in bars, but I hope that they're working on the recovery a lot harder than <laughs> they're working yeah. at the bar and serving them oh, drinks. Because sure between the tough. smell and the whole right. seeing people, you know, in that environment. The, the, the funny thing is, is that if you're a pure alcoholic and then you don't want to drink anymore and you go around people that are drinking, you get to see the progressiveness of them getting, you know, they go from tipsy to buzz to mm. buzz to to drunk to you have drunk, an insider to, perspective yeah you actually see like wow. how you used to be so some people are like i'm over that's that i don't even want to do that you know what i mean huh. i wonder do you think that's helpful or hurtful for people that are in that in position? recovery yeah i think you know it's not 
I don't even know if it's helpful. I think it's just kind of you get to see how you used to be. Gotcha. I go to weddings sometimes and I see people they'll get there in the beginning of the night and they they have just a drink or two and they're mm-hmm. a certain way and then throughout it they're a little bit more tipsy, a little more drunk, and then by the end of the night they're just smashed. You know. Mm. So it's like it's to each their own, right? Yeah. I'm just happy it's not mean and I get to remember the next morning exactly what happened. Gotcha. Well, it looks like we have a uh, oh quite a few more comments here. Let's see. Okay. So we got uh, Jordan in uh, Laguna Hills. Hi, Jordan. Uh, Renee asked a question. What if people you are helping end up at your meeting? Oh, okay. Well, that's a really good question. Mm. So I live in Orange County. So like when, when I'm going to meetings, I try to make – I try not to go to the meetings that I know my clients will be at. Like if I see my clients and I'm, I'm with them at work all day, last place I want to go is to be at the same meeting. Now, if they end up showing up at the meeting that I'm at, mm. usually like I just won't say anything or I don't share or anything like that. I mean, you know, the doors are open to anybody. And if anything, I like to make them feel welcome, maybe introduce them to some people. But I like to keep myself separated from that. So if they show up at my meeting, you know, over a period of time, I may have to go out and venture out and see if there's other meetings that I can attend. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah that's a good insight there. So Ashkin also asks, I no longer obsess over using drugs and alcohol. However, lately I find myself obsessing about things in other areas, such as performance at work and relationships issues. What do you suggest? Uh, that's a good one. I mean, really, if we really think about it, it's not really the drugs or alcohol that's the problem. I think mm. it is the obsession of the mind. And when we start obsessing, you take the drugs and alcohol away from somebody who was in active addiction. What are they left with? Just thoughts else. and things to mm. obsess about. So I think it's all, it all it's all based around your level of consciousness and how much work you've you're doing in re, your, your recovery to where you actually want to move forward and be able to process any kind of uh, feelings, obsessions, thoughts, you know, things that are unhealthy for you that may lead you back into bad behavior or put you in uh, relapse mode, perhaps, you know. Mm. So it's a constant work in the progress, you know, daily reprieve. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And does anyone else have any questions? We got quite a few people in here. Mark Simmons is uh, reporting in live from uh, Newport, Newport, California. Newport. We're up in Newport. Noops. Ooh, what? okay. We got more here. David what? Patterson. David, okay, David Patterson, uh, mindfulness is the key, working a program, 12-step or other. Be persistent and diligent using the recovery tools on a daily basis. I couldn't agree with him more. That is He's awesome. exactly right. Thank you for if that If you're comment, in recovery, work recovery. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jordan asks, what's the I see Fosier most... is on here. I just want to say this oh, right now. Just That's a good lady right there. Good lady? That's a great lady right there. She, she... Does she have any great questions? I don't know. Fosia, you have any questions? <laughs> it's nice to see you on here. Fosia, actually, I used to work with her many years ago. She, she, uh, she helped mm. me a lot. Let's just say that great. she was part of uh, helping me get to where I am now. Good. Yes. Uh, well, thank you for checking out our stream. Okay. Uh, so Jordan asks, what's the most freeing step in your opinion? step in my opinion mm. i think all of them <laughs> definitely six and seven all uh, of them yeah but we're not here to talk about the steps today gotcha. <laughs> uh, let's uh while we have everyone's attention thank you all for uh for checking out this stream please continue leaving your your thoughts your comments uh where you're watching this from uh yeah check out our uh, our sober grind podcast if you if you're not this uh, we're gonna have an edited version of everything we're I talking about eight. right now it's on uh, iTunes, uh, Google Play, anywhere you're listening. Just search for Sober Grind. That's right. And, uh, yeah, we'd love to have you on there if you're interested. Truly, like, guys, like, we want you to subscribe to the Sober Grind. 
So if you go to iTunes, or uh, sorry, is it in iTunes? It's, no, yeah, just, it's in it's in iTunes, it's in Google iTunes Play. podcast, anywhere, any kind of podcast platform. Type in Sober Grind, and you will see our names. And I would like for you guys to to subscribe, be part of it, ask questions, write us a review, tell us where we're coming short, tell us what we're doing right. We want to hear from all of you. Yeah, reviews are very helpful. Um, any feedback you can give us, we want this show to be awesome for all of you and create genuine, incredible content. <laughs> Uh, as I, I leverage up. Pej's uh, experience here, <laughs> <laughs> so let's keep let's keep going. So, okay. um, what other questions? So, how would you how would you go about starting a career if if you have no work history or maybe all you've done is uh, um, is sell drugs before? Okay, so uh, obviously, if you've been a drug seller and you think that you you have some entrepreneurial uh, expertise there i mean maybe you got to channel marketing. that a little differently marketing. no <laughs> uh, you know obviously when you when you come into uh, into recovery the, the the key to true recovery is becoming humble mm. you know practicing true humility so mm-hmm. sometimes you have to dumb it down mm-hmm. and sometimes you may not have anything going for you and you just want to get a job so what we call it in the recovery community is getting a get well job mm-hmm. how do you start obviously you have to start from the bottom and work your way up mm-hmm. so my get well job was at trader joe Right. Mm. So for the, for a long time, I worked at Trader Joe's in my first few years of recovery, and it was really cool because I I got to kind of I, I remember when I went through my whole treatment process, I got to work on myself. I did my individual therapy, I did my groups and all that. But my counselor was really big on me getting a job. So so I okay. had to go so out and find a job. That's the key there. Yeah, right. I wanted I wanted to press upon that a little bit. Right. And a lot of people that go through treatment, like one of the main goals is that they get some kind of vocational skills, seeing how to make a resume, going out and putting yourself out in the community. Sometimes mm-hmm. you don't need to go out and get like the high-powered, amazing job, but like work your way up. So yeah. I worked. I went through. I worked at Trader Joe's and I went to school part time, and I was just you know studying to become a drug and alcohol counselor. And over a period of time, then I started working in treatment. I worked in an adolescent facility, mm-hmm. then I worked in a regular treatment center with Fosier, as a matter of fact. Ah. And she used to be our clinical director. And then this uh, episode sponsored by Fosier. <laughs> And then after that, you know, I just started working in all these different aspects of treatment, different parts of treatment, doing case management, program director, things like that. Yeah. Great. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That gives hope. Yeah. Lots absolutely. of hope out there. Anybody can do it. Who else Follow we got? Dreams. Linda says, hey, Pej, love you, hon. Hi, Linda. <laughs> love you, too. <laughs> how, uh, David asks, how do you feel about medication-assisted treatment, specifically opioid replacements, Suboxone, methadone, et cetera? This is a great question. Um, what I'm seeing more and more of is that the insurance companies are definitely leaning towards uh, MAT, medication assistant treatment. Mm. Um, it's uh, more beneficial for them. I, I have my own personal opinions. I think that in some cases it is very necessary to have uh, some medication assistant treatment, but I don't think that it's, it's helpful for long-term recovery. Um, there are certain centers that obviously will bring you in for opioid addiction, put you on Suboxone, but I think that the best thing that they could do for their clients is to do a quick taper. And that Mm. means that it should be anywhere from anywhere from two to three to seven to 10 days, right? Mm. You don't want to keep somebody on Suboxone maintenance for a long period of time. That that is blocking them from actually getting long-term recovery. I I say this from experience. I don't see people staying sober long-term that are still on Suboxone. In a sense, they're still 
getting that fixed. Right. So that they don't have to endure the pain of actually going through the withdrawals that they're going to have to go through at some point if they ever really want to get long-term recovery off of all substances, all mind-altering or even medicated-assisted type of drugs. So I'm not against it, but I do definitely think that it should be used properly and it should be used for for a certain amount of time so that the person at that time has allows themselves to move on and be able to to get long-term recovery which is going to you know consist of other things besides medication for that person to stay sober and also i do not believe in people doing medication assistant treatment for people that um have other types of symptoms other mm. other types of, of you know there, there's a lot of people that are they're giving people suboxone for pain, mm, for pain management yeah. and things like that. And that's, I, I'm just totally not down for that. Gotcha. Yeah. I hope that answered your uh, your question, David. We got Linda chiming oh, in from North Carolina. Oh, as far as methadone goes, methadone is a hard one to kick. That's just a whole other high. So, yeah, I mean, more people are leaning towards Suboxone, but I wanted to bring that up too. Mm. Uh, another question that came in. So how do you handle a hard day at work or stressors? Uh, while you're in sobriety, you know, a lot of people go to a drink after work, or mm-hmm. um, uh, a lot of people adopt uh, like vaping and smoking as a stress relief. What's, what's your opinion on how to best handle? Well, I stressors? think if you're working in treatment, you're going to see there's never a dull moment when working in treatment, right? Mm-hmm. There's always some kind of action, some kind of attitude, some kind of behavior. Some days are really good in, in treatment, and some days are really bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it depends on how you process what's going on in the course of your day. So I think that when somebody's working in treatment, after all the groups, you know, and all of the one-on-one in, you know, individual uh, counseling sessions or therapy or all that stuff, I think a person needs to really focus on themselves and think about self-care. That means that when you get off of work, you leave your job at the treatment center or the center that you're working at. Mm-hmm. Don't take that stuff home with you. You don't need to, I mean, focus on yourself. The best thing I think is go to the gym, go mm. to the swimming pool, go swim a few laps. That's a great one. Cardio. Uh, grant, get that the gym is out. great, right? Yeah. Go to the movies, be with your family, mm. be with your friends, be with your kids. Go in and be with your, like, do things that you love to do because you don't want, if you carry the burden of all the, the anguish and pain and suffering that all the people in treatment are going through into your life, you're going to go through that stuff. Mm. You know, there was a time when I was case managing and I, I had a large caseload and I was doing a lot of groups. And at the end of the day, I just had no substance left. I didn't even mm-hmm. know I, I was like spent, completely mm. spent. So what I would do is twice a week, I'd have to go to for reflexology just to like just wind down, you know, yeah. just like chill out. Right. And and I think that I was like one of the things that saved me so that I didn't burn out because the last thing you want to do when you're working in treatment and you're in recovery is to burn out. Mm-hmm. And I used to think that I wouldn't burn out. I remember when I was in school and they would talk about burnout. I'd be like, oh, I no. ain't about to burn out. I'll never burn out. Yeah. And when I, ex- think we're invincible. I, oh, when I experienced <laughs> it like firsthand and I was talking yeah. to Dr. G about this the other day, mm-hmm. it is not a good feeling. No. So like you get so burnt, you're like, maybe I want to work in another field. Like I don't really mm. know that I want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. But you know, they need us. So that's why I still work in treatment because the rewards. There are people that get well, and that's what I'm here for. That's great. Well, that's pretty much all the questions I have. Um, if anyone has any other questions, please uh, feel free to to leave them in a comment. I'm gonna leave a, a link for everyone here uh, to our Facebook group. Mm. Uh, it's called Ask an Addiction Specialist, where if you don't um, have any questions at this point, but maybe have some uh, later, uh, you can post questions in there at any time. And uh, Pej, um, 
Dr. G, uh, we have a lot of different addiction professionals. Dr. Bob Weathers, too. Dr. Bob Weathers is in there. We do lots of uh, A lot of addicts, lot alcoholics of that streams. are in recovery that have been sober for a long time come and answer a lot of questions, too. Yeah. So are we signing up? So, well, pretty much, yeah. So I just posted a link on Pej's behalf. Hope you're okay with that, Pej. I'm totally fine it with happened. it. I'm totally grateful for everybody that tuned in today. Thank you yeah, for the questions. Thank you. Thanks for interacting with us. We hope to see more of you. If you ever need help, if you ever need an interventionist, that's another thing I'm going to bring up ah, right now. Always. If you ever need help or an interventionist, let us know. We are also, Earl Hightower will be doing uh, intervention training in April. Mm. I'm going to be posting the date soon. I'm going to be talking about it a lot more in the next few episodes. And also, if you're interested in becoming an interventionist and you 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 know you want to help some people and you've got some sober time, or even if you're not sober but you just want to be an interventionist, let us know. I will make sure that you are invited to come out for the intervention training. I'll let you know about all the information, the costs and whatnot, and we'll go from there. That's great. I think we might get Earl on the next podcast. I'm going to try is to it, get him is in. Is it going to be episode, think, episode 10? This is episode 9 yes. of Sober Grind. I yes. Th I think, like I think it, we were supposed to get 10. him for the 10th one. Yeah, we're so. going to try. So that'll be a, a special treat uh, for everyone. We typically do these every Monday. Uh, we may continue live streaming if it was useful for you. Uh, I think it was. I, a I don't great think idea. why not. I think it's fun. We why not? Keep it. Keep it loose. I feel. I feel good about this. Yeah. <laughs> well, everyone, thank you again. Uh, check out this podcast uh, on iTunes, Google Play. Uh, it's on YouTube. These uh, recording afterwards, you'll be able to see it on there and listen. Sober grind. Remember, sober grind. Sober grind. Yeah, any uh, any feedback that you'd like to give us would be greatly appreciated. Reviews are huge. Um, if you just want to share this with anyone, uh, it's greatly appreciated. Pej, anything else you'd like to add? I think we're over and out. All right, Sober Grind out. See you next time. See ya.